Well, amen, amen. It's been a great morning already, hasn't it? If you are a guest of ours, let me say a special welcome to you. My name is Mitch. I have the joy also of being one of the pastors and elders here at Redeemer City Church. And man, it's really just good to be together. It's good to make that intentional act, even if it is online, to come to the same place, even if it is a web address and worship the Lord our God together. So it's really good to be with you. It's really good to be in this moment with you, opening the Word of God. But before we do that this week, let me jump in and talk about next week, okay? So this is your public service announcement that next week is Mother's Day. And we are really excited, just as a church family, to celebrate the moms in our life. And that's going to be a great morning, uh, just thinking about them, celebrating them, and let's just take the opportunity, the gift, to be home with our moms this Mother's Day, and to be able to gather around them and love on them, and so we're going to be thinking about that next week, we'll be talking about that from the Word of God, and uh, it's going to be a great morning next week, so make your plans to be in the same place next week. And then as we move into more and more of these weeks online, it's causing us, I don't know about you, it's at least causing me to think about everything we do. All of our schedules have been disrupted in some way, shape, or form, some more than others, but it's causing us to think about what is essential, hence this series. And uh, we've been in it for a couple of Weeks, But one of the big questions for those of us who are followers of Jesus is this idea of the church, a big philosophical question as we start to think about what was normal and what's going to be, here's the phrase, you know it, this new normal. And as we think about all of those things, We as a church body, as a Redeemer family, for the past few weeks have been thinking about this question of what is essential. The first thing of great importance, the first essential we looked at was on Easter Sunday, and we talked about the gospel, the good news that Jesus came to this earth and paid the penalty for your sin and for mine so that we could be made right with God. And that if you would put your faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross, the Holy Spirit will make residence in your life and seal you to be one of God's own children. Romans tells us that we'll be adopted into his family. Friend, before we go any farther, if you have never placed your faith, your trust in Jesus... I want to encourage you right now, it's going to be easier to sit there and do nothing. It's going to be easier to click off to something else. It's going to be easier to be silent. But can I just encourage you right now, if you are within the sound of my voice, somewhere nearby on the screen or the phone or wherever you're listening, there's going to be a link somewhere that you can reach out and talk to us. And I want to encourage you to do that. If you're watching here on Church Online, there's going to be links coming up for you right now. And we want to take time and walk you through, talk you through 
what it means to be a child of God, what it means to follow the ways of Jesus right now. And so don't hesitate. Don't take this moment. You don't have time to not follow this journey through and see what it means for yourself. So uh, grab this opportunity and step into the light that only Jesus can give. The second week of Essential, we talked about neighbor love. Is there anything more applicable or practical right now than being a good neighbor? It's the whole reason we're not gathering in a physical location is to be a good neighbor, to love those around us who might be in danger. And so Jesus tells us to love God with all that we are. He says it's the greatest commandment, but then he said the second one is like it. To love your neighbor as yourself. And so that's very practical for us in this moment. Because when you know who God is, then you can begin to figure out who you are and who you're supposed to be in the world right now. And then last week, Pastor Carl walked us through obedience. You know, obedience gets a bad rap in our culture and even in the church. But when you trust the one who's in authority, when you know that he's a good father, when you know that your dad is perfect up in heaven, obedience is much easier. Obedience is actually, as we talked about last week, a joy. And so I think it's going to help all of us in this next move in our series, Essential, to go together, and whether you're new to the church or whether you've been here for a while, as in the Capital C Church, like you've been a Christian for a while, uh, I think it's going to be good for all of us as we think about what's essential and as we think about looking towards a new normal, it's going to be helpful for us to just step back and take a look at this thing called the church. Why is the church this living being, this living body of Christ essential. Maybe I could say it to you this way. What's the ultimate purpose of the church? What's the ultimate purpose of the body of Christ? Why do we do this thing? If you're taking notes today, and I would encourage you to do that, you'll get into heaven first. That's a joke. Um, but if you are taking notes, my title of my sermon is this. Don't go to church. Now, if you're watching this, you're like, bro, you are a pastor of a church. Why would you tell me not to go to church? Stay with me. And uh, I know that's surprising some of you, but we're going to come full circle real soon. But for those of us that are Christians, as we think about church, as we think about gathering as the church specifically, and our commitment to that, I want to think about two misconceptions first. Two things in the church, two things that the church does that are essential, but they are not the ultimate purpose. They are part of the purpose, but one of the mis- two of the misconceptions that we get as a church uh, pitted against each other oftentimes are these. Misconception number one, and if you're taking notes, write these down because it'll help you think through these later. But misconception number one is that the church exists for evangelism. And so if you're not a Christian, uh, that might sound like a funny word to you, but uh, you might know it as proselytizing. 
All right. And so we're into that, by the way, and we want you in the family. However, for, for many of us, this is the single thing that drives the engine of the church. But that would be incomplete. It is essential, but it is not our ultimate purpose. It's a fruit of our ultimate purpose. But there's another misconception. There's a second one, and that is that the church exists for discipleship. And oftentimes those are pitted against each other as though one was more important than the other and just one of those things becomes the engine of the church. But the reality is is that the picture that the Bible, the picture that God actually lays out requires that we are a part of both of those things. That they are each a pedal on the bike that is the church. If you take one of those pedals off, you are out of balance in the church. We must disciple each other, but we also must evangelize. And so both of those things are important. And so God lays that out for us really clearly because one of those cannot happen without the other. You cannot... Be and make disciples without engaging in both of those callings that God has given the church. But what about the rest of the bike? What is the church? What is the church? Another misconception is that a church is a place you go to. That the church is the building with the sign and the chairs and the stage and that's simply not the case. The church is not a building. The church is a people. Say it again for the people online. Kidding. You're all online. But listen, the church is not even a certain number of people gathered. Scripture is really clear that even when just two or three, even in the case of church discipline, are gathered together in Matthew's gospel, the Bible's super clear that God is there. The church is not any certain number of people gathered. It's all of God's kids that he's building into a spiritual house. What an amazing thought that is. Look at a couple of scriptures with me here. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 says this, You yourselves, every single one of us that has put our faith in Jesus, that he has uh, adopted us into his family, sealed us with the Holy Spirit. Here's what it says. You are living stones being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. It's a powerful picture of what the miracle of the gathered church is. The the fact that we even gather in spirit right now and all simultaneously watch a screen is a miracle in and of itself. That God can transcend that and work in every single one of our lives is powerful because we're a holy priesthood. Did you know you were a priest today? What a powerful thing. Today, even as you took communion in your house, 
with your family or your roommate or on your own. You were literally participating in what God's called the church to do in offering spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to the Lord. It's miraculous. And it's beautiful. And we celebrate those things together. And yet as we think about this thing that is the church, you're probably like me and you've been in the United States of America for so long that you just can't help but think about the building and the people gathering in the building. And I just want to show you even from the very beginning in Acts chapter 2 of the New Testament church, uh, the church was everywhere. And it was awesome. Think, Look at this. In Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and 47, it says, And day by day, every day the church was active. Listen to this. Attending the temple together. So they did do that big gathering. That was part of it. And they loved it. And at times in Jerusalem, that would have been thousands of people gathered together in the temple. But then look at what the scripture says. It says, And breaking bread in their homes. So the church was gathered in the temple, large corporate celebration, and yet it was also breaking bread in their homes. That's what you did today in remembrance of Christ. And look at what it says. It says they received their food with glad and generous hearts. You've had that opportunity already today. I love this. Praising God and having favor with all people. And you know what it says here? It says, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So it's not pinned to the temple gathering. And it's also not pinned to the house gathering. The Bible says that God was adding to their number daily through both of those actions. So the gathered church is a powerful thing. It's a beautiful thing. But it's not about the gathering itself. It's about the people of God being built up into a house, a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood and offer spiritual sacrifice. Here it is, acceptable to God. It's about the people. It's about you and me together as one. Jesus in John 17 could have prayed anything to his Father in heaven. And there would have been a lot of good things to pray at that moment that he found himself in John 17. If you have some time to study that this week, I would encourage you to do so. But he could have prayed a lot of things about the things going on around him, and yet his prayer was that you and I, and that his church throughout the ages, would be perfectly one. It's about the body. It's about the people being one spiritual house. It's awesome. So what about the purpose of the church? So if the church is the people, and it's the collective body of the people, and it's all about this beautiful gathering day by day in all kinds of places, all around this globe for thousands of years, and millennia to come what's the purpose of the church what's the purpose of the church we read a little bit about it in first peter chapter 2 let me jump you over to ephesians chapter 3 listen to the words of paul the apostle writing to a church a body of believers 
uh, in a surrounding area that he loved deeply. Here's what he said. Now to him, Jesus, who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, together, the body as one, not just you, not just me, not just the pastor, not just the guy on stage, but every single one of us. The power of God at work within us. Why? Here it is, verse 21. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. What's the purpose of the church? The purpose of the church, if you're taking notes, is this, to bring glory to God. Seems quite simple, but the ultimate purpose is that throughout all of the ages, forever and ever, that God's power at work within you and me, us, one church throughout all of history, that God would be glorified in us. What a powerful thing. The church exists to bring glory to God. That was good enough evidence, but let's jump to Colossians. I love this verse. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, it says, And he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. You want to know who the senior pastor is of Redeemer City Church? Jesus Christ. I love this. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in what? Everything he might be preeminent. Every single thing, Jesus might be the vision. Jesus is the vision. Hebrews says it this way, let us fix our eyes on Jesus because he's the author and the perfecter of our faith. Everything that the church does, Jesus is preeminent. Jesus is the vision. We look to him for salvation. We look inside with him when he comes in and begins to transform us. And we look with him at the world. But Jesus is always the vision. We're always looking with him or to him. I love that. So how do we best do that? How do we best, as the church, bring glory to God? How do we best put Christ at the center of everything? How does Jesus become our vision in everything that we do? We're called in Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission, to both be his disciples and then to make disciples. Now we're back to the bike pedals, right? So the church is this is this house and there's... These things that we are to be about. And it's to be a disciple and to make disciples. So how do we do that? How, how, do, how are we as his kids to do that practically? I think God gives us at least three essential ways. That our gathering together, whether it be in a coffee shop or on Sunday celebrating together or via technology online in our homes or under persecution someday or in some other country gathered together in our homes. It doesn't matter what that looks like. It's the people of God gathered for the glory of God 
that he begins to move and work in his church. And so there's three ways, I think, that our gathering brings glory to God, at least three ways. Number one, the church gathers to worship God together. We gather to worship God together from the start. The church sought to be together. There's a wonderful picture in Acts chapter 2, right at the beginning, where it talks about what they devoted themselves to. In Acts 2.42, it says, they devoted. How many of you know devoting yourself to something takes commitment? If you've ever tried to exercise or work out or do a diet or uh, go to school or breathe, anything. Just making sure you're awake. Here's what it says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayer. Think about that. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the word of God, what we're doing right now. And the what? The fellowship. Being together brings glory to God. The church gathers to worship God together Back in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, the Bible says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. Not just this guy up front doing the apostles' teaching, but there's also a role that you and I play. It's why we gather and break bread in our homes. Because we're to be teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, and then what? Singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. We just did that. This is why we do what we do. But here's why all of it matters. Verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The vision is Jesus. And everything we do, everything the scripture calls us to do, we do it in his name for his glory to the glory of God the Father. What an awesome thing. Everything that we do gathered as the church matters and it brings glory to God. What a beautiful celebration of what he's doing in our world. So really, every time we gather, there's a miracle taking place. Not because you or I bring anything special to the table, but because it's how God has chosen to work in the world through his people. What an amazing thing. And so we do it through praise. We do it through the word. And we do it through sacrament. And we've participated in all of those even here this morning. Paul would tell Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.13, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. That's why a preacher gets up and preaches not for uh, his glory, but for God's glory and the building up of the church. A second reason the church gathers, the church gathers to disciple and edify each other. Those are two churchy words, I get it. But here, here is what it means to edify somebody is to instruct or benefit, especially spiritually. To disciple somebody, my definition, to teach or learn, as Matthew 28 says, all that God has commanded us. Let's look at that. When he was giving that great commission and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. We're living as a result of that. 
There are disciples of Christ literally in almost every nation. And the ones that don't have the name of Jesus there, it's being actively pursued right now. And then it says this, baptize, go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then here it is, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So the things that we are to be about. And remember, don't just think Sunday big church. That's one of the difficulties of this is we have a lot of these preconceived notions of exactly what that means and it means I show up on Sunday at a building but that's not all that God had in mind it's a piece of it but it's not all of it and so even in this these moments of quarantine you can still be the church you can still bring glory to God as the church gathers to disciple and edify each other If you're new to Christianity or maybe even today watching this video, you put your faith in Jesus. You've been chatting with somebody online. Uh, A great place to start would be we've put together this little thing called Growth Track. There's going to be a link somewhere uh, right around me down here or over here. And uh, you can just click on that and it's a three video series. It's a great way for you to just get to know a little bit about God, a little bit about the church. But then also about you and, and how God's created you and what he's called you to be in this world through what we call spiritual gifts. I want to encourage you to jump in and do that and be discipled and edified in that way. Man, there's so much scripture that we could go to. I think about Ephesians chapter 4 where it talks about this. In the church, the Bible says this, He, Jesus, gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Why? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up, that's what edifying is, the building up of the body of Christ. Until what? Until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. Beautiful. In Hebrews 10 it says, let us consider how to Stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. The church gathers to disciple and edify each other. And then here it is, number three. If you're taking notes, the church gathers and scatters to evangelize. What does that mean? That's a fancy way. It's a churchy way of saying we tell other people our story about his story. We want people to be in the family. If you're watching this and you don't know Jesus, we want you to be in the family. Notice that in Acts it tells us it was in their gathering that people were saved and added. When Jesus prayed, he prayed that we would be one. It's the body of Christ coming together, yes, on Sunday, but also through the week. Doing the things that the church does that brings glory to God that actually will entice people to see that there's something different that the body of Christ has that the rest of the world doesn't. One of my favorite stories in all of the Bible is in Luke chapter 14, and it's where Jesus compares his family where he compares heaven, where he compares 
being adopted into his family as to being like a party, as to being like a banquet. And uh, the short version is, if you want to read it, it's in Luke chapter 14, verse 16 to 24. But the short version is this, that uh, everybody's invited and everybody has an excuse. I just want to ask you today, what, what's your excuse? Whether you know him or not, uh, we, we are all in that place where we know he's called us to do or go and be, and yet we have excuses. Some of them are pretty funny, actually, in the story, if you have time to read it. But then the response of the master throwing the party is this. And it's our call as followers of Jesus. Here's what he says. He says, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, sir, what you have commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges. And here it is, compel people to come in. Why? So that my house may be filled. What a powerful invitation that God is giving to you and I, those of us that do know Christ, that that it is not just as we gather that we are celebrating us, but that we are with a, a view to look with Jesus at our city, at our neighbors, at our world with the eyes that Jesus has. I'll never forget the first time that I ever shared my faith with somebody. I was in elementary school and I had this neighbor named Chris and I shared the best that I could as like a six or seven year old uh, could and it was definitely the simple faith of a child and he kept saying what? Every time I said it, and, and, you know, in my innocence as a six or seven year old, I thought he just couldn't hear me. So my mom literally heard me yelling at him on our back porch because <laughs> I thought he couldn't hear me. But the reality is, was he was confused, but he wanted to know more. And the, the fun part about that story is it was sometime later that, that Chris did come to know the Lord. You know, it's as simple as sharing your story. Every salvation story is a miracle. And I want to encourage you to share it. So as you look back over that, the church exists to bring glory to Christ. And we best do that when we gather together to worship God together. As we disciple and edify each other and then scatter to evangelize, to invite people to be a part of the family. So as the band comes back up, we're going to sing one more song together, but let's complete that circle. I said, don't go to church. What did I mean by that? My final word to you as they get settled in is this. Don't go to church. You paying attention? Don't go to church. Gather as the church and be the church to the glory of God. Amen. Let's pray together and then we'll worship him together. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness. 
You alone are worthy of our praise. We didn't deserve you. We don't deserve to be in your family. Scripture says that all we like sheep have gone astray, seeking our own way. But you and your mercy stepped out of the splendors of heaven so that we could have life with you. And your life and your beauty and the beauty of the gospel is all around us. Even in this moment as we gather online, the beauty that you, Holy Spirit, are with us, uniting our hearts through the power of your word, we give you praise. Holy Spirit, as we sing this next song, as we sing these words, it's going to talk about being free. It's going to talk about not being a slave to sin. I pray that for anyone within the sound of my voice that does not know you, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw them in this moment right now to you, that you would open the eyes of their heart, that they might taste and see that you are good to the glory of God the Father. And we pray all these things in the strong name of Jesus.